Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Sean, are you ever worried about tire conversion sizes? It's on my mind every day. It is on I, my mind, too. I wake, wake up in cold sweats at night about it. So. Well, I'll tell you what, I can help remedy that situation. Well, All you have to do, do is go to axontiretips.com. Complete the form, and they'll send you not one but two Axon Tire resource mouse pads, and you'll be your problems are solved right from there. You go wow. so just send Fantastic. that, just fill that form out at axontiretips.com, and you'll be good to go. Valid Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valid Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. And with access to over $20 billion worth of heavy equipment, sales data, tractor zooms, iron comp. Iron comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent heavy equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. So Sean Hackett is with... Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's nice enough to come on the podcast a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the market. So, Sean, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Casey. Glad to be here. Man, there is a a lot of uncertainty in the market right now. Not, and it's not so much uncertainty as and no one knows what's going to go on, but knowing the uncertainty is coming from how big is the crop actually going to be and how much pressure are we going to get along the way to get to that in end game we see happen right now. We know we're going to have a crop. We know we're going to have... A decent crop. Everything's kind of shaping up that way. This heat's kind of got some people scared on some things right now. Out in my neck of the woods, they're worried about water and what that looks like, especially irrigation water. And uh, but I guess as you take a look at this, Sean, we talked a little bit about it on Thursday. What's your thoughts on this ongoing situation and and how do you th- how do you see it shaping up different from last week? Well, I think we have to discern. Uh, when weather matters. Weather doesn't really matter in June, Casey. We can have a lot of hot, dry Junes, and it it won't ruin the crop. So we have to just put it out there. And so some of the heat that we've gotten here in mid-June, although it's been exciting and a lot of headlines, we had good subsoil moisture, and it's just too early for it to really have an impact. 
hot matters in July, especially for corn. So, um, but, but there's a difference between cold and dry, normal temperatures and dry, and hot and dry. Um, if you're really going to hit the crop, you need hot and dry. If you're going to just take the top off, normal and dry will do it. You can have cool and dry and still have a really good crop if you have just enough timely moisture. So what's happened is, is that the market got initially got excited about this warm, dry pattern, but now it's cooling down here a little bit into the end of the month. And so, you know, the, the cooler weather is definitely taking the punch bowl away from the weather guys saying, okay, wait a minute. Now, if it's cold, you know, this is not going to really be an issue. So the, the, the million dollar question or the trillion dollar question is, you know, is the heat going to come back? For the first half of July. And we think that it's going to, at least for a little while. We've been very clear, Casey, on, on your show in, in past that this is not a year that we expect a major crop problem. This was a year that we expected mainly a garden variety um, weather scare, um, primarily from the end of June into the middle part of July. Um, and then we were going to lead to kind of a cooler uh, wetter finish, overall looking at pretty good crops. Um, and, and like the early harvest lows, I think we talked about this last time. And so really, uh, the markets are correcting overnight because the heat's backing off and um, you know, we need hot. We need heat going into pollination. And remember now, uh, the majority of the core corn belt is going to pollinate in the back half of July this year instead of the front half of July. So that means that if, our, if we're correct at a cooler, wetter back half of July is what we're set up for. That's actually really good news for a big crop because the majority of the crops was planted late, it's developing late, and it'll actually be pollinating when the weather's actually more favorable. So this could be the year that those that planted later get a bigger yield than those that planted earlier that might get clipped from some hotter, drier weather in the first half of July. That's what we see. Um, and so overall, you know, we think that's, uh, you know, you know, that's kind of where we're at. We, like I said, so this market correction, pro and remember now we have at the end of the month, quarterly grain stocks, acreage report. That's another huge market driver. In fact, it's probably this uh, month, this end of month June reports, these two reports have tended to be one of the most important volatile moving reports every year. Um, I mean, I've seen, I can't tell you how many times we've seen limit up, limit downs on this report because the market gets so blindsided by what they said. I remember in 2019, when we had the historic flooding and delayed planting. Everyone thought corn acres were going to be down big and they were up big and we were limit down and we never looked back. Um, so, so, so that's also out there and that's, look at the calendar. I mean, that's, that's, that's a week, you know, that's next week. So uh, I have no idea what the USDA is going to say. I never try to figure out what they're going to say uh, other than, Usually, whatever the consensus is going into the report, the USDA often, most of the time, will say the exact opposite. So just be prepared for that um, and, and be positioned for that. Once that is reaction takes place, it goes right back to weather. Overall, Casey, though, you know, taking away those short-term uh, volatility volatility phenomenon, you know, we just think we're you know, looking at markets that have rolled over or heading into some early harvest lows into August or September. That's our, our, our general forecast. And we don't see anything right now that argues against that. Right. Okay. All right. So kind of the news, this kind of goes back to some supply issue that we've talked about. Um, 
China's May corn imports from Ukraine have plunged. Um, they're down 34.1% um, from a year ago, which that's not a, a big shock, right? Obviously, they're having a hard time getting stuff in and out of that country, so on and so forth. But that means that there's 34% of the, of, and I don't know what that number comes out to be. I don't know how many that. 6.4 million metric tons of corn. Um, they're going to get that from someplace else. Do you see this as a dominant? I mean, you start to see this domino effect now where, you know, what happened, what they would normally get out of the Black Sea region, that they're not getting any more, they're, they're looking all over the place for the next person to give them that that uh, that supply. How do, you, how do you see that effect in the market right now? Well, let's put this in perspective. Brazil, last year, had a total corn crop of 85 million metric tons. This year, let's just say it's going to be around 110 million metric tons. So we're talking about 25 million metric tons increase in available corn supplies out of Brazil this coming season, which they're now harvesting, and now it'll be available to the export market. That largely can overcome the loss of supply from Ukraine for the next three or four months, meaning that whatever they couldn't get there. Remember last year, Brazil didn't have any corn for sale. So the, so, so so China needed Ukraine during this time of the year. They don't need Ukraine right now. As long as Brazil's a willing seller, they're always a willing seller. Um, they're going to get plenty of corn out of Brazil this year because it's available. So, so I don't see that being a major issue right now into the summer. It could be an issue um, as we move into the fall and, and beyond once uh, Brazil is, uh, is run out of its uh, exportable supplies. But at the same time, if we have a big corn crop in the U.S., then you know, we'll have plenty of supply to hand over to the Chinese if they want to buy some corn as well. So, so I'm not sure right now, Casey, that that's going to be a barn burner. You know, it, it would be an issue if Brazil came up short again, which they did not. It would be a huge issue if the U.S. corn crop comes up short. I mean, obviously, we don't know yet, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to have a good corn crop. So, Okay, so... You put out a new report. You put out a new report um, this uh, this morning, and it had to do with some bearish reports that you were getting from uh, some of your smart money algorithms and stuff that are out there. One of which is rice. We've talked about rice and its correlation with wheat, and what we see happening out there. So, what what are you hearing from early wheat harvest that's going on right now? I mean, we're we're up into Kansas right now, and then you take a look at what's going on with the rice. What what do you see happening there? Well, first of all, our, our smart money algorithm capital flows, it's an objective agnostic tool. All we're trying to do is tell you we've identified those in the marketplace from the COT that have proven to be buyers at lows and sellers at tops. Generally speaking, it's, it's a tool. doesn't work every time. It's one of many tools we utilize, but it's an important tool. And right now, the grain markets, the smart money is betting on lower prices. So they're kind of agreeing with our fundamental view. However, in the rice market, that's the, one of the few grain markets where they're actually showing more bullish persuasion. And I think the reason for that is that we've talked about this numerous times, how cheap rice is relative to wheat, relative to other grains. And we've also talked about how, uh, how cheap rice is relative to fertilizer prices and how uh, Asia, you, you need, you know, the, the, the rice is such a large user of fertilizer to maintain yields, especially out in Asia. Um, now, no doubt China and India will have the money and the political access to fertilizer, we think, but we don't see 
the Philippines, Taiwan, Vietnam, Bangladesh, Indonesia, these, these ancillary Southeast Asian countries, we don't believe they have the capital to buy it, and we don't think they have the influence to get access to it. Already, we're hearing anecdotal evidence of re significant reduction in fertilizer. That means that Asian rice production in these key export countries are, is going to be down and at a time that demand for rice as a substitute for uneconomical wheat is going to be at records. Also, it's very interesting, uh, South China has been dealing with another round of extreme flooding, like, I mean, over-the-top flooding, and that's where they grow a huge portion of the early rice crop. Um, I mean, just been a complete disaster. And so, um, so on top of everything we just said, it, it clearly looks like the early rice crop in China is going to be short. Um, and they're already were record importers of rice. So that is a market that we feel can buck an overall bearish grain market trend um, and, and think that there's an, an, it's an interesting market to be looking at. And it does tend to be on a different cycle than the other grain markets. And so interesting to watch that dynamic but I, what, what I what I what I what I what I try to say to everybody uh, when, when we're talking about all of this is that none of the problems that's going on in Russia have gone away it doesn't mean that they're solved it doesn't mean that they won't it just means for now they're not going to create a short-term issue in markets other than I think the rice market it will now, I think as we get into the fall and, and, and you know, further on and we, we kind of you know, get to the next crop cycle, Casey, I think that's where we could have more issues because I think the market had enough and is, and, and is, and is going to be able to find a way to, to make everything work, but not if we have another crop year. That come, that if, if Ukraine's offline for another year, then I think heads are going to roll. In, in the markets. And I, so I think it's a temporary pause, but in the rice market, I think it needs to reprice itself more appropriately for what we're looking at right now. So long as rice stays cheap, the demand is going to continue to buy that rice until it's gone. And, and, and we believe the minute we get into like the mid late summer and we start seeing some of these crop projections coming in under expectations, you know, rice is going to be an interesting market to be taking a look at. So, Okay. All right. Kind of last topic I want to throw out here. We've talked about the the reduction in herd size and on the hogs and in cattle both, and and now we're starting to see reports come out where, I mean, just take a look around. I mean, no one's traveling like they would be at normally would be at you know five and six and seven dollar gas. So now you're starting to see this this contraction um, as you take a look at people going to restaurants and and to travel and those kind of things that you see happening out there. Do you feel like um, if if this pattern continues, the reduction in cattle size is going to have is, is going to be you know kind of almost right size now that we have less people doing those kind of things? I mean, as you see demand curves, I guess what are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, obviously, in an ideal situation, if you're if you're looking for a bullish market, you would like to have strong demand and weak supply. I mean, obviously, that's the perfect storm. You don't always get that. Sometimes you get okay demand and you know in this situation clearly the demand for for beef is going to be weakening it is weakening obviously but the the contraction of supply from the lower weights that we've seen from this extreme heat 
uh, from the herd liquidation that we've been seeing for three years, from some of the cattle deaths we've been seeing for some of this high heat, it's going to be so severe in our opinion that even with a weakening economy and weakening demand for beef in aggregate, the supply is just is still going to be below that demand. And hence, we still believe we can have a powerful move higher. Ideally, it'd be great to have a strong economy, right? And strong demand. And that would be the, the perfect storm. But we don't necessarily need that. You just need to make sure that supply is underneath demand. And we still think that's going to be the case. The hog market is different. Because the hog market is so reliant on exports, meaning if we don't sell a lot of pork to somebody else, we just produce too much pork, even if the, even if the economy is strong. And we've been getting away with selling a lot of pork to the Mexicans, which we usually do, but you know they're starting to back off because they bought a lot and China needs to pick up the pace and start buying again. And they're not doing it because we're still locked down. And we've only recently seen the Chinese hog price start to take off, suggesting that a supply tightness is going to be developing, but it's going to be developing later in the year and they're still locked down. So, so I just, I don't, I'm, I'm struggling to see how hog, the hog market gets into a tight supply situation until the fall onward, where I think the cattle market can get into a tight supply situation right now. Because even though uh, exports could weaken, they haven't yet, by the way, um, exports to China still are really strong. We don't actually really need blistering exports. We import. We're a net importer of beef, by the way, in aggregate, because we don't produce enough in the country. Yeah, we produce, we import some of the lower quality and we export some you know, the higher quality, but overall, you know, we're not reliant. We don't have to sell massive amounts of beef to, to, you know, to make our cattle market sing. We just need to have uh, enough demand domestically and lower supply to, to create the situation. So I really think it's, um, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm constructive on both. I just think cattle has a more immediate reason to go higher. And I think the major price reversal upward we saw over the last two weeks in cattle is very telling about a market that's shifting gears from a period of oversupply to a period of undersupply. And I don't see the demand situation getting extreme enough uh, to, to take that punch bowl away. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on there to tell people what we do, how we do it how we make our forecast to see if we could be some of some value to your listeners. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel where you can see the video version of what we're doing here right now. If you are interested in more information about the Moving Iron uh, podcasts, blogs, and Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Go to movingironllc.com, and you'll get all the information there. If you need more information about any of that, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I'll be happy to get that over to you. My good friend Alex is over in Ukraine right now. He's been sending me pictures of his van full of stuff and and uh, talking about all the things he's doing. He's, uh, he's about 15 miles from the front lines there on the, on the very southern and very uh, eastern edge of, of the uh, war zone there. So he is uh, right in the middle of all that stuff, and he's uh, really putting himself out there. So if you'd like to help Alex, he has a GoFundMe page set up. You go to uh, GoFundMe and search Help Alex Transport Humanitarian Aid from Poland to Ukraine, and uh, you can help support him there however you guys can do that. So with that, I am... Casey Seymour, Sean Haggett. Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, Casey. Let's go with some folks. 
out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. See